Welcome to another episode of Design Under Influence, where we look deeply in how to make technology as your competitive advantage. If you're an architect, if you're an engineer, if you're a designer, uh, this is the show for you because we specialize in this space. And why is it called Design Under Influence? Well, because we feel like if you're not utilizing technology to its potential, it's sort of hazy in how do you control operations, processes, systems, growth. And, and the way I compare it is when you're designing when you're drunk. You know, sometimes it works out, a lot of times it don't. And so today we're going to deep into cyber insurance. It's such a topic. Like last uh, week's episode, depending on when we published this, was all about us telling the stories about phishing, about social engineering. And Boris was just, man, those stories were as fantastic as they are to hear and listen to and you know, really dig in and maybe even entertain yourself on how crafty these scammers are. Boy, I hope it's never you, right? <laughs> I hope it's never you. So let me introduce my co-host and then we have a special guest today. This is the first time. This is a, a, a very exciting for us to, to welcome another a beautiful mind into the show. But before we go there, let me, let's Boris say hello. Hey, everybody. Um, <laughs> remember me, I'm Alex's co-host, uh, Boris Rappaport, uh, CEO of ArcIT. And um, um, yeah, I mean, we're gonna follow up on on, on the theme from from uh, last episode, and uh, you know, it's great to have uh, Zachary Walters here to help us explore, uh, you know, the world of insurance and specifically cyber insurance. So, Alex, back to you. And uh, yeah, um, thank you, Boris. This is exciting. And so, we have an IT expert, a savant. I'm going to call you savant, IT savant, and we have insurance savant. And, and specifically what we're doing here is trying to like, okay, this is a big deal right now. So Zachary, can you talk to us about the cyber insurance, cyber criminal, a little bit about your, your background? What are you all about? You're exciting fella. Tell us more about who you are and let's dive into the topic. Oh man. Thank you, Alex. No, it's uh, thank you guys for having me on. Always, always a pleasure. Uh, I don't know about Savant. I think Boris is a Savant. I'll just be, uh, I'll be an average Joe. How about that? But uh, we, we could chat a little bit about architects and engineers and cyber. And uh, my background, just a, a quick one. Um, so I've been working with architects and engineers now for the last five years. Um, I'm the CEO and founder of Black Swan Risk Management, which uh, does all insurance and risk management for architects and engineers. Work also through a company called Insurance Office of America, which is a massive company, um, and then heavily involved in uh, the Architectural Foundation in San Francisco. So I sit on the board there, and then we're doing a lot. We're because of COVID right now, we're pivoting uh, our our programs for youngsters uh, who are up and coming designers to a national and an even international platform. So all kinds of fun stuff there. Fantastic. So let's dive into the topic: cyber insurance. You mentioned pre-show something that sort of like kind of shook my desk a little bit. You said, "Well, Alex, cyber insurance." It may or it on its way to become as important as liability insurance. Can you talk us through that statement? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And it's a bold statement, and and I understand that, and and I'm willing to stand by it. You know, as a as a designer, when you're coming through your career, you spend time in school, in college, getting educated. You have to go through a licensing program, whether you're an architecture and engineer, and through that whole time, you're hammered that. Professional liability, what's called ENO insurance or errors and emissions, is your biggest exposure. This is the biggest thing you need to worry about, right? If you commit an error or an emission, if you do something wrong or forget to add something on a drawing. 
And that is important. I'm not going to dissuade that. That is, that is absolutely important. What happens now is we've got these great processes in place, right? We do a lot of risk management. We have QAQC, and those things just aren't quite happening as often as a cyber attack, right? I mean, we're, we are five years from now. I mean, 2015, the internet didn't look nearly the way it is right now. With COVID, we had this big event back in March, and we pushed everybody to home on their own their own internet lines, on their own laptops. You know, a lot of these guys were not set up for this. And the, the statement that I made to you that I stand by is maybe right now, but definitely in the future, the biggest exposure for an architect or an engineer is going to be a cyber attack, right? It is going to be uh, somebody hacking your system and or an employee making a mistake, clicking on something they shouldn't click. And that's much more likely to cause you some pr pretty serious problems down the road as it is, I designed something incorrectly and, and I'm going to get sued for that. Very interesting. Boris, do you want to lay in a layer of uh, your personal experience working with as an IT provider for these architecture design firms? You've done some interesting recoveries and you're helping your clients staying safe. What are you seeing out there, man? Yeah, well, just, I mean, just like Zach said, it's, uh, it's a jungle out there. It's a jungle. I mean, we, <laughs> we're seeing four times more attacks, uh, ransomware, phishing, social engineering, uh, just in the last six months since March, right? Maybe it's close to seven months now. But since March, there's four times more attacks and there's studies that have been done on it than all of last year. So basically, it's like people are getting eight times more, can have their exposures eight times more to these things. What you and I are talking about on our monthly webinar is retelling a story of a couple of recoveries you've done. And a couple of times people actually lost millions of dollars. But the struggle is real. If you're small, it's just, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's not when, it, it's not if, it's when. These days it's when, and as you said, it's wild, wild west out there with COVID. Everybody's at home using home computers, just like all we are. I mean, as maybe Zach, you have the privilege of being in the office, but I see, you know, I'm in my home office and, and Boris is as well. He, let, me, let me pose a question to, to the expert. Talk us through cyber insurance. Is this a fairly recent invention? meaning like right pre-COVID or it has been around for a while and just go, going into prominence? No, absolutely. It's a great question. And the short answer is it's not new, but it is definitely much more prominent, right? And, you know, insurance is kind of like that, right? We make this coverage available to people and unless they absolutely know that they need it, uh, it's maybe not something necessarily that they consider in the budget or decide on. You know, if we got out of architects and engineers for a second, you know, if we were just talking about car insurance, right? Intellectually, you and I know that getting in a car is pretty dangerous, right? We have statistics on that type of stuff. We know that that is uh, probably the most dangerous part of my day is when I'm behind the wheel. But in the same time, I don't think it's going to happen to me, right? I know the data. I know, I know that these things go on all the way. But at the same time, I think... I'm a good driver, right? I think I do all these things. And so I, I maybe I'm not so concerned about getting, you know, delving into my policy and, and doing all these things. I just kind of let it, you know, let it live out there outside my mind. So diving back in, cyber has been around for a really long time. It has probably been underpriced because the firms that that were willing to buy it were the very, very large firms. We think about a cyber claim and you probably think about these massive firms that you hear about, Equifax, Target, right? These billion dollar corporations. You don't think about the 55-person the 
architecture firm that walks in on Monday morning and all of a sudden they don't have control of their system. And a bad guy has got a note that says, pay me a million dollars in Bitcoin or else I'm releasing all of your private information onto the internet. Right. We just don't like people don't think that. And I, I remember I sit with people and they tell me that they're like, well, that's, that's a big person. That's a big firm's problem. That's a, that's a billionaire's problem. You know, that's a, that's an ENR top 500 problem. That's not a, my problem. And the short answer is today, right now, it's, it's a, it's an everybody's problem. It's a sole proprietor's problem, right? Those sole proprietors probably have the worst protection or, or are just missing certain things that that could really get them in trouble. And part of it's just, they just don't, they don't know. So. So let's talk about Zachary. Let's talk about uh, how this policy works. Let's say I choose I choose this coverage. Is the pricing based on my risk profile, my IT structure? Like if I'm using Arc IT or I'm not using anyone, does the pricing matter? That's number one. So part of question one. And second part is, is it based on the number of people I have or revenue? Sure, sure. It's um, the short answer. It's always going to be depends, right? Depends on the insurance carrier. Everybody's got kind of their algorithms and the way they look at things. But the big things are going to be what's the size of your firm, right? What are we doing in revenue? How many employees do we have? You mentioned, you know, am I using a firm like ArchIT? What are my risk management procedures that I have in place currently, right? What what are the systems that I have built out already, right? If I was going to put a GoPro on your forehead and see how you handled your business for a month? Am I going to see you taking the necessary precautions, deleting emails that come in that are not pertinent to you? Or am I going to see you just kind of, you know, willy nilly uh, going off the cuff and we don't really have anything there? Those are things that are going to affect pricing. Absolutely. Pretty significant. Is it pretty significant onboarding process with this kind of policy? It's it's actually it's not too bad, honestly. I mean, we have an application process and we do want to get to know from your firm. We want to know some things. Now, one of the things that you want to watch out for on cyber insurance is that a lot of insurance companies will offer what they call cyber insurance as a as an add-on, as an endorsement or a rider onto other policies, right? So you can buy a general liability policy and they might say they, the company might say, Hey, we've got the cyber coverage and it's $100, right? We've got a professional liability policy and we've got the cyber coverage and it's $218. Be, beware of that statement, right? Because what we think about and kind of what we're talking here uh, about cyber coverage, we want it to cover, we want it to be very broad and we want it to cover first party and third party. First party meaning you and your business, third party meaning if I affect somebody else, right? If I affect one of my clients. And uh, again, without making a bre- broad sweeping statements, ex- those those small policies like that, those little add-ons, those are going to be kind of small limits for third-party coverage. They're not going to be necessarily to handle the type of event we're talking about. That one that I just kind of ran through, where you know we've lost control of our system. We, the firm, my firm, is directly affected by this. Gotcha. Let's play play out a scenario. So let's say I'm a I run an architecture business. I have you know 16 employees. I come as you called it. I come to work, and all my files are locked out. There's a message saying, "Hey, we are not going to let you access your files unless you give us you know a million dollars." You called it right. Um, right. What is the process? What is this? I have cyber insurance. Mm-hmm. What, what's my next step? Sure. So it's Monday morning, you walk in, you know, it's, it's probably the worst thing you could imagine. Your, your network's been taken over. You've lost access to everything. If I'm the one that's working with you on your cyber policy, you're going to give me a call. 
and you're going to say, Zach, oh boy, I got something for you, right? We're going to get the insurance company involved immediately because on all of these, time is of the, eth- of the essence. We need to move as quickly as possible. We're going to hire uh, a negotiating team or, or an expert to come in and negotiate because, and we can go down a whole long rabbit hole here about whether we should negotiate these things and kind of what the FBI says. And, and there's that's, you could do a whole nother podcast on that, but for our purposes, right, we're going to need to negotiate with this, this bad guy uh, that's probably requesting a pretty obscene amount of money. We're going to need to bring in a, a forensic team and a data recovery team. And I think you guys, right, kind of specialize in that. That's something that ArchIT can absolutely be a part of and, and has a lot of experience with. And we're just going to need to assess, you know, what have we lost? One of the biggest things that is the worst thing to find out in that particular moment, Alex, is I, as a business owner and a company, have way more sensitive data than I thought I had, right? Hmm. Like if you ask me as a, as a business owner, if I say, you know, well, you know, what sensitive data do you have? What private information would you be afraid of if it was put on the internet, right? First glance, kind of that car, that the you know car insurance example, like oh, it would never happen to me. It's like, well, I don't have anything. You know, I don't. I'm, I'm not dealing in social security numbers of clients or things like that. Well, if you've got employees, you probably have their social security number somewhere, oh, yeah. right? Uh, you've probably got a, a bunch of information about their health and benefits and and things related to that. You probably have some of your own clients' information, right? And dealings with that. And there might be access points that we're worried about. So, you know, in that kind of discovery mode, very quickly there, we figure out that things might be even worse than they look initially. Wow. Boris, you want to talk us through his busy uh, yelling at his kids, and we, <laughs> rightfully so, you know, we're at home trying to you know teach the children to be, you know, to, to sit down and do their schoolwork. Darn it. Yeah, Boris, if, if you have a second. No, no, I'm back. I'm back. Um, Good. Can you talk us through and just try to be a little bit louder because your mic is a little softer compared to Zach's and I because we're AP personalities and you're IT savant. So nothing, nothing gets that, but at least you know the answers. Um, Stereotyping, baby. So, <laughs> yeah, so you talk about ArcIT being a recovery. You've done a number of these investigations and recoveries. Can you give us, give our listeners some some general scope of how long it takes? Like give that same example. I come into my architecture firm. Everything's locked. I call Zach. I have cyber insurance. Thanks goodness. He's, he puts the team in place and the process is started. You get called. Then what? Uh, well, we get called, and if you are working with us, uh, then I'm going to say we have the backups for your data, and you know we usually back them up at least uh, twice a day. So we would be able to recover or start the recovery process for your files. Now, depending on how, lo- how many files you have, that's how long the recovery is going to take. So for most architecture firms that are you know 10 people or more, th- this is terabytes of data. So it may take four eight hours to, you know, to restore everything. So the safe estimate is you're going to be down for at least a day, unfortunately, before resuming work. Now that's if you're working with us in the best case scenario. Now, a lot of times what we find is we get a call in as this event happens and we come in and there's no backup. There's backups that have never been tested and we, you know, we can't restore from them or the backups haven't been set up properly. And it takes instead of, you know, eight hours to restore, it takes days to restore. So at that point, it becomes a much bigger problem. Now, restoring from backup, in my mind, is already, you know, it's like, it's, it's like a fail safe, right? We've already been infected. Now, 
for me, the biggest thing is we need to try and make sure we never get infected. And, you know, we, we talked about that. We talk about that on our other podcasts. Right. But if this has happened uh, to your client, to our IT, our client, um, you know, we have measures in place, but I'm sure other IT providers are in good shape. So can you give a couple points of wisdom for or points of investigation for the listeners and, and people who are watching uh, to ensure their IT providers doing the work? We're not suggesting go go run and switch to our IT, but give them give them a few points like how to. What do they ask for? How do they verify that things are being done as you prescribed just now? Well, again, once we get infected, then backup is our most important most important system so we can get back up and running. So in order to make sure that we have good backups is you need to talk to your provider. You need to make sure the provider is giving you reports of what the status of the backups are, making sure that they manage the backups, which, which means even though the backup is good, like you need to conduct regular tests to basically do rep, you know test restores from that backup system so that you know that you can recover once an event like this occurs. So the your provider is responsible for that. Test restores. Correct. That's cool. Wow. So that's, that's basically you run drills. Yeah, we, like we do weekly test restores on all the data that we back out for all of our clients. And do you report on this? Yes. All right. So so those of you listening you know, look at the what your IT, you probably have a lot of dust on that file <laughs> that, that your IT provider sends you. You know, wipe the dust away and and take a look at the at the drills. Um, because I think it's 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 crucially important. Zachary, question for you. If I don't have cyber coverage and this has happened to me, is it money like do I have is anybody helping me pay or am I out of luck? Like I it's, it's out of my pocket. Good question. There are scenarios out there, I'm sure, where some policy might pick up some small portion of it, maybe. But on the whole, no. I mean, this is this is what this policy is designed for. And if you don't have this coverage, you, you know, you're going to have that call on a Monday morning. And you're going to you're going to call me and and say, you know, say we should have bought the cyber policy. You know, we sh- we didn't buy it. There, there's not really anything out there designed to pick up. Uh, this exposure. This is why we have it. Just be like an auto, right? If you get in a car accident and you didn't have auto insurance, and we called you up and said, "Well, hey, I've got that workers' comp insurance, right?" It's like, well, no, that's, that's this is what this one's for, right? This is why we have it. So, really, really good information, Zachary. Thank you very much uh, for coming in as a guest. I'm sure we'll have you more times to dig deeper if we have questions. Uh, if you guys have questions on this, this is a this is a as fresh of a topic, as scary of a topic as we've covered, as anyone has, has covered in this pandemic, and we're getting punched left and right. This is a knockout punch potentially. And you have to, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, listen, you have to, you have to understand what your worst case scenario is and cover yourself from it. I think this is as close to the worst case scenarios, scenarios it can get these days. So take a deeper look into your IT practices and take a deeper look into your insurance policy. You thank me later. God forbid it happens to you, but thank me later if you are covered after having watched this show with this wonderful guest. So Boris, thank you very much for your time. Zach, thank you for your time as well. Any parting words of wisdom? No, I, uh, I really appreciate it. Love what you guys are doing. Love something like this to get out in front of it, right? This is, you know, we have an unfortunate thing of sitting here having to tell really bad stories about all the things that can happen, right? It's much more fun 
to work with somebody proactively versus reactively, right? It's much more fun to, to be able to work with a client on my end and put the policy in place or for you guys to come in and build out all of that proactive stuff. Then, you know, that headache is just a minor inconvenience. So really appreciate the time, guys. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for watching.